Welcome to Work is Calling, where we will learn the experiences and insights of business leaders who see their careers as a calling from God. What is important about seeing your career as a calling? Work is fulfilling whenever we sense success, but let's face it, success can and usually is fleeting. What if instead of targeting success, we seek fulfillment? A sense of calling makes serving God your purpose. That shift can actually lead you to a sense of fulfillment regardless of success. Let's listen to the stories of those who have made the shift and have experienced this. Well, welcome. Welcome, everyone, to Work is Calling. My name is Wayne Kuna, the founder and president of Soul Priority, a ministry that coaches women and men how to transform their careers through biblical principles. Today's guest is a friend of mine, Dan Abaticola. Dan and I, I have known each other for about a century. Uh, <laughs> I, I know him to be a fun-loving guy who is also really deeply serious about his faith. Uh, I hope we all get to know him a little as we listen to his background and his story of work as his calling from God. Dan, welcome to Work is Calling. Thanks for having me, Wayne. Good to see you guys. Yeah. You know, Dan, as we begin Work is Calling, uh, we start by getting to know a little bit about you yeah, so let's let's uh, give us a peek at who you are. Tell us a little bit. Where'd you grow up? What about your family? What, you know, what, are you a dad? What's going on? I grew up in uh, Berwyn, Illinois, so not too far from here. Um, have two older brothers and a younger brother. Uh, my older brother passed away a few years ago, suddenly. And um, I have a wife, Nicole. Um, we've been married for just over 30 years now. Uh, we have five kids. Uh Timothy 27, Luke 25, Hannah 23, Samuel 21, and then Grace 8. Bingo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we don't call her uh, a surprise. We call her a blessing because we're Christians. And that's the way that works. So, gotcha. Um, so we would be, um, you know, Sam's entering into his last year of college next fall. And we would literally be empty nesters if it wasn't for the fact that we're homeschooling a girl who is smarter than any one of us in the family um, and like mature and just has plenty of eye rolling to go uh, with all that. And uh, yeah, she's a, she's a trip. We just, nothing we planned, but I couldn't imagine life without her. She's awesome. That's, that's terrific. Yeah. It is a blessing. So um, yeah. How would you describe yourself? You heard me describe you a little bit. Uh, Maybe how would Nicole describe you? Oh, oh, um, I think, Nicole and then others would describe me a little bit differently than I would describe myself. I'm, I imagine. I would say that I'm, um, I'm naturally caffeinated. Um, <laughs> I thought she used to drink that Joe water. Yeah, water Joe. Okay, um, yeah. yeah, and th- that's what I was just about to follow that up with. And I'm slightly lying there because I'm not naturally caffeinated. I'm also purposely caffeinated uh, most days. Um, water Joe is not on the market anymore. I think you can buy it online and have it delivered to the house, but that's so. Amazon-ish of people. <laughs> um, so I, I take these like vitamin caffeine tablets when I need them, in, especially in the morning to kind of get going. But I am um, definitely type A. People have told me that and not in a good way. Like Nicole would say, oh, you're so type A. It doesn't sound like a positive reinforcement to me. So It's better than what my wife says. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm definitely type A. Um, I'm a little intense. Uh, I'm a lot annoying. Um, but the good thing, the fact that I'm 55 now, I'm self-aware. So I'm better at wrangling some of my personality traits that aren't so attractive. I, I hope so anyways. <laughs> yeah, I just find I'm more easily to bring them out when I want to use them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just, um, 
yeah, it's just, it's just easier now to kind of deal with who I am than I was when I was, uh, when I was younger for sure. Yeah. So is there some interesting thing about you, Dan, that very few people know? (sighs) Boy, you know, let me just give the audience. I don't know if anybody's made this disclaimer yet, but you know, Wayne sends me some questions. And so I knew that was coming. I'm like, I don't think I have anything really interesting about me. Um, I'm, my schedule is totally weird and bizarre. I wake up like at three 30 every morning. Like that's the latest. I, like I set my alarm for three 30. Most days it doesn't wake me up. I get up early. So I go to bed around eight 30, get up at three 30 and I have like a whole, which we'll probably get into a whole like morning routine to kind of set my course for the day. Um, I'm big, um, habit guy. So I'm like always into doing certain things, habit, habitually and consistently over time. Cause I think that leads to some really great things. And so I've been doing that for the last few years. So I, I wake up really early. So probably people wouldn't know that about me. And then what I do when I wake up is just people look at me and I just, they just think I'm from another planet. So, which is fine with me. I like kind of, you know, this about me. I like being the different person in the room. So for sure. Yeah. So wait a second. You wake up at three o'clock in the morning. Three thirty. Come on. Three o'clock. Okay. I'm not a freak. That's when I go off. That's yeah. when I go off. But you got before it goes off. Yeah. And then, where are all the people standing around that are looking at you, going, "This guy's a freak." No. Um, <laughs> when it com- when it comes up in conversation. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. When it comes, there's no one. There's no one awake in my house. Um, and when it comes up in conversation, people look at me, and then like I kind of whisper it because Nicole looks and goes, "Don't tell people that you're a freak." <laughs> um, yeah, so not many people are around. No, no one is. No one is around. So it's it's my time with God. It's my time to kind of set my course. It's my time to do some things physically. And if my big thing is, if I win the morning, my day is way better. Gotcha. Yeah. So pastimes, hobbies. I mean, you're a fit guy. I know you to be an athlete. Is that part of? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So um, pastimes, I like, especially over the last. I've kind of had a when I turned fifty. Something I don't know if it was a midlife crisis or whatever. Um, but it was right when my brother passed away. Uh, it was like a, I had a month span of my brother Mark passed away. I turned 50 and then my oldest son got married. So like all that happened, wow. like a span of like 38 days. Yeah. Wow. So it was like, it, and it just kind of, um, you know, I, I wasn't like in turmoil. I was just like, wow, life is, which we always knew that life is kind of, you know, comes and goes pretty quick. You never know. Uh, you know, like you have your oldest son married, getting married, and I, I could see him when he was a two-year-old walking through the house still, you know, so, and then my brother passed away, uh, like, unexpectedly, so you kind of see this, so it was, and I look back at pictures of myself, and I'm like, man, I just look, I look soft, and I look, um, my age, <laughs> <laughs> I just look, I just looked like I didn't, I wasn't firing all cylinders, Yeah, that's how I kind of picture yeah. it, and so, um, so definitely, I like working out. I like, um, I used to run until my hip went out and then I have a fake hip now. So I don't do any running. So like weight training. And then I kind of dived into like the, um, importance of weight training as you get older and building muscle and what that does. And so I'm like a freak of all that kind of good stuff. Yeah. So yeah. that's great. I, I should get a little dose of that myself. I'm <laughs> Everyone a should freak of getting, developing that soft stuff. <laughs> it's easy. What, it is really the whole adage of, if you don't use it, you lose it. it yeah. is, it's it's true. It's true yeah. as we get older, for sure. Actually, way less than I, I did when I was uh, married, but everything has kind of shifted. <laughs> yeah, it's, you're just soft, right? Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're soft. So um, yeah, do you have a bucket list or no? 
I do and I don't. Um, I, I have like a major one that I would love to do. And What's then that? I, well, I have a minor one first. Let's start okay. out with that. Okay. The minor one is very doable. If sort of doable. Uh, I want to go to um, the East Coast. Um, where I just forgot the name of the city now. It's supposed to be like the cap, the pizza capital of the world. It's like near Yale University. Um, and they have like four or five pizza locations where there's supposed to be like this really thin crust. They call it, they don't call it pizza. They call it a pizza. There's like an A in front of it. And um, New Haven, New Haven, Connecticut. Okay. Yeah. So I want to go to New Haven. I want to do a road trip and try all the pizza places. That's on my bucket list for sure. That's kind of like a meaningless whatever one. Um, but I would love to go visit um, around the world the megalithic structures around there, like oh, pyramids. Yeah, yeah, I'd love yeah. to go to Peru and see um, their Picchu. Me- yeah, like I want to go see all that kind of stuff. And yeah. like there's actually – uh, like mounds in the United States. There's some in Ohio. Ohio? It's like a serpent yeah. mound. Yeah. So yeah. I just love all that kind of history, like that hidden history. Because you ask like the Native American Indians and they're like, no, that wasn't us. We always give them credit for it. They're like, no, that was there. We got stories from that. We just kind of repurposed it or we just stayed away from it. But that wasn't us. I find that very fascinating. I would love to go visit that kind of stuff. So does that mean that you go to a library and you look this stuff up and find out what they know about it already? Um, not the library. Yeah. Online, Online podcast. Yeah, too, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Books. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's, there's like a lot of, believe it or not, there's like a lot of things that uh, we haven't been told over the last centuries. Mm. And um, it's, it's pretty fascinating. And I really, I'd like um, learning about that information. So I would love to go and, and put some feet on those grounds and just kind of walk it and see for myself. For Sounds sure. great. Yeah. yeah. So uh, let me uh, get over to the spiritual side of the uh, ledger. Uh, I usually ask people if they have a um, like a life verse type of thing. And eh, people are like, you know, but, but what resonates with you in the scripture or maybe in the life of Jesus? Yeah. Well, I, I think when I saw that life um, verse uh, question, and I think – People that kind of go in, and I, I would say that I have like a season of a passage or a verse. I would say over the last several years, the book of Romans has really been impactful in my life. Um, it talks about our problem, sin, over and over again. It's deep theologically grounding as a book and scripture, but also it's super practical. And I think that's what we need, and we need that in more churches. In fact, our churches go in verse by verse. Um, through it, we're like through, I think we just got done with, I just got done with chapter two and we've been in at it for a while. So we we're heading into like chapter three, which is an awesome chapter. The big one. Yeah. And so, um, and I think if I had to pick out a verse that has impacted me over the last few years, not only personally, but also in ministry, it's Romans, uh, 12, one or 12, two, yeah, yeah. uh, don't be conformed to the, the customs or the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. But I love how the new living translation puts it. It's do not copy the customs and behaviors of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Hmm. And I think that for me um, over the last several years has been like, that's what I need. I need, I need to change the way I think because my theology is Jesus. Right. I'm going to heaven when I die. This is most people, right? I'm going to heaven when I die because I, I invited Christ into my heart. But then, like, are we growing in our faith? And the whole idea of allowing God to change the way we think, because that's the issue with the world. We live in a fallen, broken world that's evil. And so if we, if we adapt the customs and patterns, are we growing in our relationship with Jesus? Or do we just have a get-out-of-hell-free card at the end of our life? Right, we, yeah. yeah. So, 
like, am I allowing God to transform my, the way I think on a daily basis or a moment by moment basis? And when we have a biblical worldview and we allow God to transform the way we think or redesign the way we think, we, we gravitate towards his word and we don't see it as something like what our culture says. We actually conform to God instead of the culture. So I think that's what churches need. I think that's what believers need. We need to allow God to change the way we think, not just to have him as savior, but we also need to be, you know, big theological work. We need to be sanctified. Right. Yeah. We need to progress in our relationship there. So let me ask you a question about the person of Jesus. Um, is there something about his uh, ministry here on earth, walking as a human being like you and I, that really jumps out to your story, uh, um, a message? Yeah, I think personally, I mean, I'm going to be selfish here because my life is about me. Um, what I what I love and why I follow him is because he accepted me. He knows all the darkness and the dirt and all the crud, and he still says, no, I died for you. I died for you, Dan. And that's that's the story of the gospel. In our sin, in our brokenness, in our despair, in our running away from God, in our being enemies with God, Christ died for us. And so when I think of Jesus, I think of my Savior personally. Um, and then everything kind of flows out of that, like how he treats people. Like we we can't hate people because they are in a sin lifestyle or they're doing things against God. We can't hate them. Why? Why? Because we have a biblical worldview and the Bible says not to hate. So we, we can't hate them. That's what Jesus did. He didn't hate them, but he also didn't affirm their, their sin. And so the balance is great. And so he gives me an example as a man, as I, as I lead my family, as my kids, as I'm, as I'm in business, you have to walk that fine line of love and truth and grace. And he set that example really powerfully. And that's what I try to do try to do yeah well listen i appreciate that um uh, one thing I'd, I'd like to do is um ask you in light of all the serious stuff that we've been talking about yeah. is on a lighter side of things you know what what it entertains you do you are you do you do, would you recommend a movie or do you listen to a certain genre of music or do you uh, you know you talked about you know i said the library but you said you know you know youtube and stuff like that are there podcasts that you listen to yeah or, yeah. Um, I'm a big podcast listener. Um, I don't really read, I don't read fiction books. I don't like fake stuff for some reason. I just don't like, and I don't like sci-fi movies. I don't like fake for some reason. I just don't, I need like, I like documentaries. I like real stories. Um, if I read a book, it's going to be something, um, theological, uh, something has to do with ministry or something. I kind of like, how the brain works with like marketing or advertising, how to get people moving in that direction or how they do that, how they get people to be programmed like that. That's, that's always fascinating to me how the, so if God wants to transform our mind, getting back to Romans 12, like I'm fascinated about how the world tries to target our minds and get us to think and behave in a certain way. So I'm fascinated by podcasts like that or books that have that kind of information. Um, Of late, my favorite um, author, he just recently passed away, like a couple months ago, Dr. Michael Heiser. He was a biblical scholar. Uh, he was the editor of uh, Logos Bible software for years and oh, years and years. Yeah, okay. And um, he just recently passed away of cancer, but he wrote a couple of really fascinating books, um, Reversing Hermon, The Unseen Realm. Um, so he talks about like the spiritual battle that we're in, and so I, I really appreciate his books. Um, 
and just his life and his ministry. He's, he's just got a lot of great information online and, and everything else. So it's, it's, he's been kind of um, just my go-to over the last few years of just kind of like formation and my theology and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Thanks. You know what? We're going to take a, a break right now. Uh, we're going to come back to, uh, to our listeners in a little bit. Uh, give you a little more information about uh, Work is Calling. Work is Calling is a ministry of soul priority that coaches women and men of faith to transform their careers and workplaces with biblical principles and the book Work in the Light that highlights why God created work, shepherd leadership, workplace culture, and the vital importance of a singular God priority. You can find out more about Soul Priority at www.soul-priority.org. That's www.soul-priority.org. Now, back to today's podcast. Hey, well, welcome back, everybody. Dan, now we get to the meat and the potatoes of this uh, discussion. My personal uh, life was we, neither meat or potatoes. Yeah, it was kind of on the side of pizza. You okay, yeah, that's pizza. pizza. Yeah, yeah totally. Pretty yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting. Many of the people that have come through here that you know have had an, um, really a blessing to be able to hear their stories have had multiple careers. You know, and you're one of those guys. Yeah. You know, it's really interesting. So tell us a little bit about what some of your responsibilities are, you know, and how long you've been in the workplace and it's different venues or So we, we as far as ministry wise, um we kind of transitioned out of like a normal, you know, church building, church ministry, and we just started doing something in our community and then we eventually started meeting out of a high school locally here in Chicagoland. And um we did that until COVID and then we um, used a, and we're still there, which I love. It's a basement of an office building, um, around here, uh, locally also. And it's like an old lunchroom and, uh, has vending machines that hum every once in a while. And, and I open up, um, a music stand like that one in the corner. And, um, I just share God's word and we kind of talk and it's, we go through God's word and we go through a book of the Bible. And so to do that, um, part of what my experience has been in church I didn't want to hamper down the ministry of raising support and stealing, you know, convincing families with money that my church or I'm cooler than the pastor that they're attending. So, um, so like, let me just go get a real job. And so, um, I originally started out in a warehouse, just like throwing boxes around meeting people in our community. And, um, that was great, but I did that far too long and it put me way behind the eight ball financially. And, and, and some of the, the really cool thing about how, um, I didn't realize I was doing it, but God did, and he still provided for my family. My kids were all fed and went through school and didn't look, you know, homeless too much, but they looked, they looked, they they were decent, and they, they got provided for. So, um, and then I uh, hooked up with a company locally here doing solar and, and uh, LED lighting uh, transition for businesses and, you know, large and small. So we've been doing, I've been doing that for just over eight years. Yeah. So, and the grit business has grown. So, you know, Monday through Friday, I'm doing that, but also, um, shepherding a church, very small congregation of maybe 20, 25 people. And, um, and so kind of in, in both worlds. So I'm not sitting in an office. Um, I'm out kind of in the real world experiencing what they experience on a daily basis, dealing with customers and a boss and, co-workers. So on one hand, that kind of, um, it's good and bad. Um, and the, the bad part of it is 
you know, because I'm all over the place. I'm type A. I'm I'm raring to go, but it kind of distracts me from maybe the message on Sunday also. So that that's the bad part of it. So I'm always doing that. But the good part is, I think it gives me some um, street cred with the guy sitting there going, "Oh, Dan's dealing the same with the same thing that I'm dealing with." Absolutely. Too. So it's good and bad. I think for me personally, um, I think it's more good because. As you know, Wayne, I've been kind of out of the, I'm out of the box, and um, I think it's good that for me this is like how God's called me to do ministry and to be a pastor. Um, it wouldn't work for a lot of guys. Not saying that I'm anything special, but it works for me and my personality and how I'm wired. And um, I think I'm exactly where God wants us and my family kind of doing ministry and also having a job outside of that. so Yeah, that's a tremendous place to be. It gives you a lot of peace and comfort and actually motivation and strength to oh, yeah. feel like you're where you're supposed to be. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, some days are different than others. Some days oh, I'm yeah. like, wish I, man, I wish I would just sit in an office and not have to deal with like invoicing and, and getting customers to pay and making sure these projects are, you know, raring to go and making sure material is there and dealing with electricians and all that kind of stuff. But um, I'm a problem solver by nature. I like helping people out. So I, I think in ministry, you do that. Obviously, you know that. And so um, you just kind of transition that into the lighting and solar industry. Like, hey, you have a problem. I'm here to solve it. I think I just sound like vanilla ice. I think. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, so I think it's very similar what I do, but also very different, you know? Yeah. You know, that, that, yeah, I, I understand that. Um, I was going to ask you next, you know, we want to really get people excited about looking at their careers in the workplace as a place that God has actually been integrally involved in bringing them to, giving them the skills with, you know, and, and finding other people who have recognized that. And I don't know if we've ever really talked about that, but, uh, you know, tell us, do you see the, the work-a-day work that you do as as your call, part of your calling? Because you obviously also have the church calling component yeah and then how did that happen was that uh kind of a, a an awareness over time was there a you know an epiphanal moment was there a person you know talk to that yeah i think i think it was a specific moment where i was going through kind of the church planning industry that we have in in our in america and i was really turned off by it and it was literally like um go get 100 families or individuals um raise this amount of money and then you could be a church I don't, I don't think that's how God designed it. And, um, I think maybe putting in the effort of going out and getting a job and, and kind of, uh, being in the world and working and also doing just what God has called you to do. I'm not, not, might not be big and great. Now we've been at it for 12 years and we don't have our own building, but that's not our purpose. I don't have my own office, but that wasn't my purpose. I don't have bookshelves to put all my fancy theological books on, but that wasn't my purpose going into it. So, from the world's perspective, or even the church world's perspective, it looks like it's a complete failure. And sometimes I feel that. And then other days, I'm like, man, that's this is most days, it's I'm right where I need to be because I don't want to get mixed up in all that just doing church stuff just to do church stuff and looking like a church in America because you go to other countries, that's not how church looks like in most countries outside of America. And so... um are we sharing the gospel? Absolutely. Do we take a passage of God's word and we wrap the gospel in it and we share it with people each and every week? Absolutely. Is it done perfectly? No, because I'm involved. Um, 
but have we seen fruit kind of blossom out of it in people's lives? Yeah, we have. And so that's the good thing about following God's path. And you know me, back in the day, I was all about the lights, the cameras, the screens, the making things, what, what was excellent. What was, that was the word, right? And so like, I want it bigger and better. And like, we got to get, you know, we got to fill the seats and kind of do that. And now I'm, maybe it's because of my ego has been pushed to the curb a little bit, hopefully. Um, and now I'm just really, I'm, I'm really at a position at now where I could just look and see God working and kind of doing, okay, there's 12 people here today. Okay. These are the 12 that are going to hear this passage and kind of, and hear what God has for him as, as much as I needed to hear it too. Yeah. You talked about, um, you know, how God has moved you, <clears throat> excuse me, and seeing the purpose or calling <clears throat> in the church and also how your work has really validated and given you a stamp of like, Hey, you know, he's one of us. I mean, yeah. he goes to, you know, nine to five, five days a week, you know, he goes through what we go through. He understands it. Has, have you seen, um, an impact of your calling when you're at work, when you're working with the electricians, when you're, you know, is there, is there something that uh, comes back to that part of, of uh, your work experience, your workplace experience, your career that says, you know, God put me here too. Yeah. Absolutely. What's that look like? Yeah. And I think oh, I, I work for a um, family company and uh, it's faith based. Um, they're, they would, call themselves Catholic. They're very, um, very Catholic. I would say most of them go to mass each and every day. Um, and that's very cool. Um, but also they look at the evangelical Protestant side as kind of just like a little different, you know, it's like that. I don't know if you experienced that, but it's like, it's nothing rude, but it's definitely, they look at me like I'm strange <laughs> at times, you know, yeah. cause I'm just not following, um, the things that they do. Right. And I always remind them, um, Hey, as long as Jesus is the center of your relationship and you get right with God through a relationship with Christ, that's what I think is most important. And, you know, maybe when we get up to heaven because of your faith in Christ and God says, Dan, you probably could have done a little bit more of this and this. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. Maybe I'm wrong. So we, we differ theology-wise at, at times, and we've talked about that. But the really cool thing is you know, I'm kind of like the office goofball because I'm wild and I'm, I'm funny and I'm, I'm – I'm bold and I, I don't mince words. So I just, I kind of tell it like it is, but I love the fact that like when we have a company get together or when there's a meal, they look to me and they say, Dan, could you share a word of prayer? And I find that very cool because, um, although they might not agree my, with my theology completely, um, when push comes to shove, they understand that, you know, I'm following Christ. And, uh, that's kind of the one way that pops up with just my coworkers, but also, interacting with people, um, explaining to them. Sometimes I've, I just come right out and tell my customer, like as I'm explaining the program through through this, um, you know, what our local energy company has for for um, the business customer. I explain to them and say, hey, this is what's going on. And, and this is really not me selling. It's just explaining the program to you. And um, and then we kind of talk about our lives. And, and then sometimes it just gets to a point where, I'm telling them, oh, where are you from? And I tell them, oh, how long have you been in the business? And I, I kind of tell them the whole backstory of being in ministry. And, and it opened up some really great spiritual conversations with people of different faiths, like Muslims or people who are just away from God and kind of not even practicing any kind of spirituality. So I've had opportunities to do that, and I'm bold with that. See, like, 
and you'll know this about me. Sometimes I say things I probably shouldn't say just to be funny, but that boldness helps me talk about the important things because I'm not really intimidated for not saying things. I think boldness is something that the church needs more of. Now, what I need to do is watch the things I shouldn't say. (laughs) That's the problem for me. Um, So that's the things I understand like as I get older. But as far as like sharing Christ with people, that really doesn't intimidate me. That doesn't make me nervous. I do that on a, it's, it's very comfortable for me. I do that all the time. Yeah. So as you follow God um, and, and his calling in your life, it's kind of like this a divine assignment and it may be a short specific thing. It may last, you know, your whole lifetime. Yeah. Uh, and may kind of weave its way around back and forth to different things. Have you ever come across a situation? Maybe you've, you just locked it in your mind. We say that was just God. He was just here. He just did this, and this is amazing. And you know, I don't know if it's about a person or an event or. Have you, do you have something like that? You can yeah, share? Um, uh, probably several stories. But uh, just recently, um, I had a couple at our church, and uh, the wife was having just really bad abdominal pains, and she was just, you know, in really bad pain, and found out she had a, a gallbladder stones, or you know, yeah. so, which I, I hear are painful. The worst thing. She said... They're bad. They're ba- okay, yeah. I've never had them because I'm an athlete and I'm in shape. Have you had them, Wayne? Yes. Okay. <laughs> it's got to do with french fries and pizza. Okay, good. <laughs> um, so uh, they finally figured out what it was and she was just like way worse than childbirth. I'm like, wow, okay. And while they were in there, um, they found a tumor on her kidney, in, in her kidney. Oh my gosh. And so it was very small and the doctor said it was probably cancerous when they took it out for... And they're actually, they haven't gotten the results back. Uh, but in that area, the, the doctor was like, I'm almost positive that it's cancerous. And But the good news is we caught it so early. And um, we we caught it in such a way and we scraped everything out. So we're like, everything is everything is out. We just got to make sure that um, you're, you're good and we're, we're going to test it. And, and and they were shaken by the whole ordeal. And, um, and he said something to me, which he's really... Um, my friend is, is kind of struggling with his faith and just kind of really, he believes in Christ and he has a relationship with him, but he struggles with the whole, what we were talking about earlier, having God transform his mind in just the way he thinks and behaves and acts and getting into his word. And he said to me, he goes, Boy, it's, it, Dan, in a weird way, does this sound dumb or weird or wrong? But like, I'm so thankful for the pain that she was in because we would have never found this tumor. And he goes, maybe God gave her that so that we could find the tumor and, and get it out quicker. That's transformed thinking. Yeah. Yes. And that's what I said to him. I said, that that is God change your mind. So instead of going, oh, woe is me, my wife is in pain and now she has cancers maybe. And so she's she's we're kind of dealing with all this. But you see the blessing in how God works because we have blinders on and God doesn't. And so God gave her those stones to pass in a really painful way so that they could find something else. And that's changing the way you think and you let God do that. So, you know, when you, when you talk about it and then you see it in real life and then someone who kind of is fringy and kind of doesn't get it a lot of the times explains that back to you. That's when I know like, okay, God is doing something in his heart and that's the really cool news. Yeah. Okay. So somebody comes up to you and says, uh, yeah, you know, I, I do follow Jesus and uh, you know, my work, um, you know, he provided it for me, but my work's my work and my faith's my faith. You know, what would you tell him about um, having his eyes open to the fact that God may want 
him or maybe it placed him exactly where he's at for the kingdom. Yeah, I would say, first of all, open up your eyes. <laughs> yeah, because I, I don't think anything happens by coincidence. Um, you're there for a purpose and a reason. Um, it may be just a, a place where God is going to move you to a different place where maybe you feel more comfortable. But right now, I think it's, I think too many times in our culture, we are too comfortable. And when we don't like something or when we when we kind of set up parameters in our lives where, okay, this is my faith life, this is my work life, because it gets too complicated and it would be too uncomfortable to kind of blend those two. Um, I think I think we need to be uncomfortable. We need to do that. I think you need to share who you are as a follower of Christ in your workplace, because I think that's how, that not think, that's how God designed you to do your life properly. And so if God has placed you there and God is blessing you with a paycheck and, and all the benefits that come from that, then to be a good steward of that job, you should be giving everything you already got, and you should use it as an act of worship. You could use anything as an act of worship, the work of your hands, the work of your mouth. Um, anything could be worship as long as you are directing it towards your adoration towards Christ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, thanks. This has been a great interview. I, we always end up uh, throwing the ball to you, a kind of a softball pitch, uh, to just take a minute or you know, or two just to say something. What would you want to tell everybody listening? Yeah. Um, I think, uh, and this is something that I saw that question kind of, um, and this is something that I've told people countless number of times. This isn't like my new answer for this. It's like, um, I really encourage you to, to get the point of God in your life sooner than later. If you're listening to this podcast, um, I tell this to my, my sons, especially in my twenties, I was clueless, completely clueless in my thirties. I was distracted. Now I grew up, I'm 55 now. So I grew up in, you know, my thirties, my kids were young. I was going to seminary at the time I was working, I was self-employed. So I was all over the place. I was a junior high pastor at my church. So I was doing all that at the same time. You know, then you had, I don't know if you ever heard of a Michael Jordan and the bulls. They were kind of doing their run. Yeah. Don't so, remind me. <laughs> yeah. So I was, I was distracted in my thirties. Um, and then in my forties, I think I was naive. I got in the ministry. Um, I just had a very different picture of what I thought ministry would be. And a lot of it was the culture of church ministry. You know, you got to wear a suit. You got to do this. You can't wear backward baseball hat stand because that's not very godly. And I just didn't understand. So I was naive. I'm like, man, I, I just didn't know what I was getting into. And that caused me to probably be less of a pastor than I should have been in my, in my 40s. And then, like, you know, so I'm 55 in my fifties, I think this decade is I'm start. I'm finally starting to get it over the last few years, and I look back at my forties and my thirties. I'm like, oh, what a train wreck that was, and now I'm starting to understand why I'm here. But for me personally, but also, if you're at that age where you're kind of going through those decades of young kids and distraction and naive, like you gotta figure it out quicker. If you do it quicker than I did, you'll be better off. The, you'll you'll head up over the hill and down easier. Um, and, and just understand what God wants to do in your life and all those other things that kind of distract us and our personal opinions of things and just being clueless of, uh, how life goes. Um, if, if you get God and what he's called you to be in your life and who he's created you to be and being comfortable with that, that's what it took me a long time to do, to be comfortable with who I am and how he kind of created me. I'm, I'm a little bit crazy there. There's another description of me. Um, but 
when I understand that and then I work myself around the good and the bad of me, I think that's when I started living life to the fullest and kind of understanding why God has me on this earth and for what purpose. And it may be, you know, who knows? Uh, no one's promised tomorrow. Um, so I, I try to live every life doing something every day that I don't want to do, being uncomfortable. And that allows me to enjoy the comfortable parts of life because I've already done it to myself. Like everything else seems comfortable, even like the chaos or uh, something that pops up that is unexpected. Well, I've already been something, I've already done something a lot harder today. So this doesn't seem that hard. So put yourself in uncomfortable positions because I think it'll help you make you, it'll make you grow better and do the things that God has called you to do for sure. Yeah. yeah. Thanks so much, Dan. Uh, you know, I just really appreciate you being with us and sharing the story. And then personally, I just have to say that I, I know that your DNA was injected in my idea of ministry and helped shape it in a good way. So okay. I appreciate that. Awesome. Um, and that's how it should be, right? I, I, I think. Cause I think, and I've, I've told you this on my podcast I used to do is the, that came that way for me too. Like, like I have a little bit of a wane in my ministry and how I, how we deal things, which is a great thing. Yeah. Yeah. So now that we patted each other on yeah. the back, <laughs> I don't have to pay him. No, no. definitely not. Oh, what? Tell us about uh, your podcast before you leave. Is that going to happen or what's going on? Yeah. So uh, Wayne was on my podcast. It was called move the beans. It was a podcast on uh, creating habits, little habits that create um, exceptional um, outcomes. And um, so I did it for probably like almost 40 episodes and I got out of it because of COVID and, you know, um, it just was something that I didn't want to talk about a lot more. And then uh, it just, my daily routines have been so regimented that um, I just don't have time for it right now, but that might be a possibility down the road. If God is really pressing me to do that, this is really awesome being behind a microphone again. So this may be one of the spurs that kind of get me going again. So we'll see. Um, I would be, I would love to do it, but we'll see if that's God's plan too. That's great, Dan. Thanks again. And until our next episode, remember, work is calling. This has been another episode of Work is Calling, a ministry of soul priority that coaches women and men of faith how to transform their careers and workplace through biblical principles. You can find out more at www soul-priority.org We hope you join us again next time for another interview of an individual who has discovered work is calling.